Can tech continue to dominate in 2021? Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Zarin Betts. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team. What we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, and individual solutions for our partners. By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of January 18th, 2021. And today we answer a very important listener question. Oh, yes. Will you do the honors and read the question, LG? Sure. This listener asks, I'm writing in hopes that someone will be able to help with market breadth or the narrowness of market leadership. Specifically, how narrow was the market's breadth last year? Was the S&P 500 return without the FANGs or Microsoft lower? We've received the same question so many times and in a number of different ways, so much so that it's become a section of our economic and market outlook from last year. And to illustrate why this topic has been top of mind for so many of our partners, I want to play a quote from multi-asset portfolio manager Amit Sony. An investment across the five largest stocks in S&P 500 returned almost 60% last year. Their performance accounted for nearly half of the return of the market cap weighted index. And during the peak of the COVID crisis, what's important to note is that this outperformance that Amit just noted occurred amid very weak market breadth. So very few stocks were actually making new highs and only one fifth of stocks in the S&P 500 were above their 200-day moving average. I love that quote because it so succinctly highlights why so much ink and podcast airtime has been spilled on this topic in the past year. On the face of it, this type of market dominance doesn't need to be a problem. Investing in the top five tech stocks over the past few years would have been a good investment strategy. And tech stocks outperformance has contributed to the outperformance of U.S. equity indices as a whole. It's just that the market concentration like this has often been followed by pullbacks. And so when investors see this type of market concentration, they get concerned. Yeah. And there's many different ways to discuss what's going on. But for today... I think we should just focus on the essentials. Um, why, First, why is big tech such a dominant trend in the markets? And second, is this performance sustainable into 2021? Great, too. Um, Robert, start with number one. Why is big tech such a dominant trend? Why is it such a force in the markets? Well, the first reason definitely, and especially in 2020, definitely has to do with the pandemic. Winning stocks were those that captured the accelerated shift toward the digitization of the economy. So online shopping, online meetings, online advertising, online entertainment, and online education. You get the picture. Yeah, we're just doing more things, including podcasting online. (laughs) Exactly. And while the trend toward large tech-oriented companies was accelerated by the pandemic, it's nothing new. The tech sector has been an area that's outperformed the broader market 
most of the last five years. Now, the second reason that tech stocks have outperformed in the last several years has to do with macroeconomic factors and asset allocation, because persistently low inflation, low yields, and slow economic growth have forced investors, both here in the U.S. and globally, to chase fewer and fewer growth stocks. That's contributed to the durable outperformance of growth equity, particularly in the big name tech stocks we're discussing today, because investors are seeking the growth that they provide. Exactly. And and the third reason is kind of related. Tech companies are just, or these five companies are just good businesses. There's no better indicator to look at if you have a good or a bad business than profit margins and operating margins on the S&P 500. So the amount of profit a company makes on every dollar of sales after paying things like wages or materials, they're about 10%. But operating margins on the tech sector are about 21%. And that's data as of the year end of 2020. So if the goal of investing in general is just to find firms that are able to improve their returns uh, above their cost of capital, and they're reinvesting that return, that profit, into above cost of capital projects, then where would you rather invest your money? It's a really good point and and really well said. I think it's worth pointing out that all three of the factors we just walked through are examples of what's different now compared to the tech bubble of the late 1990s. Not to say that we don't have high valuations, et cetera, but there's some justification behind why these companies have been doing so well. So the question then becomes, and this is the second part of our conversation today, the number two that you brought up earlier, Robert, is what do we expect in 2021? Is this outperformance sustainable or will other macro factors point towards new market leadership? Yeah, I've heard much smarter people than me make an argument on either side of the coin here. But I think positioning looks quite extended into tech stocks right now. So let's err to the side of taking a cautious approach. Yes, I think it's smart to err on the side of caution. But caution doesn't necessarily mean to be negative about growth equity in 2021. Technology and innovation are going to continue to be a leading source of portfolio growth, but there's just there's several factors that could result in other companies performing better over the course of this year. One is the improving economy. When the economy is improving, more types of companies tend to do better, so you might see some of those companies outperforming. There's also the potential for rising interest rates, which would have an impact on tech valuations. And then, of course, headline risks like potential regulation or taxes, which would impact the technology sector as well. Right. And all of those reasons should be compared to current market pricing or or valuations. So how many dollars you as an investor are willing to pay to hold a share of these future business prospects? I think that's a perfect time for our portfolio pause a segment of the program where we discuss an investment idea. You can see that the question to tech or not to tech is not a straightforward one, but the combination of macroeconomic and business and regulatory factors has us leaning towards exercising caution in mega cap tech this year. A cyclical rotation, the ebbing pandemic environment and questions about liquidity could prompt volatility, particularly in the duration-sensitive growth names. 
Moreover, as the global recovery continues, we expect other sectors of the economy to outperform as rising interest rates pose at least a little bit of a headwind to lofty valuations in tech and growth. Mm. And so, so a lot of those reasons there were about the macro backdrop. I think that this is also a great macro backdrop for active management, stock pickers, people, and, and bond pickers, people who are actually picking uh, companies to invest in. Those investment managers who are out there picking actual companies to invest in rather than the index could perform well. Yeah. So just to give a little bit of context on what Robert's saying here, with the top five companies last year doing more than half of the benchmark returns in the S&P 500, it was just hard to beat any benchmark. You wanted to own the whole market. And so what you're saying, Robert, is that the macro environment makes that a little bit different this year. Exactly. Active equity managers tend to invest based on an assessment of a corporate management team or the prospect of a business model. And then the relative valuation between their respective options that they like. So when the global economy is in recovery mode, it tends to favor companies that trade at a relative discount. And that's something that a skilled active manager is good at identifying. And two, the second reason, the potential for rising rates could mean that corporate management teams become more important as companies have to manage their expenses better or choose which projects that they're investing in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But one last thing, since we're running short on time, given all of these potential headwinds, should an investor ditch the top five? Uh, Probably not. But for that, let's go back to the expert Amit Sony. Rising real interest rates are a common headwind to high valuation multiples of these companies. But apart from that, the drivers of performance could vary a lot for the top five. For example, Apple is an information technology company, while Google belongs to communication services. Amazon, on the other hand, finds itself in the consumer discretionary sector. So we believe an investor should hold all five to reduce idiosyncratic or company-specific risks. But one does not need to have more than 25% of their wealth invested in these names, as is the case currently in the index. Coming up next, I'll be watching Inauguration on Wednesday. It's not likely to impact markets in itself as an event, but all eyes will certainly be on Biden's policy agenda in the coming year. Last week, we heard the opening bid for new COVID-related stimulus, a price tag of $1.9 trillion. That is most certainly going to be whittled down by Congress uh, before anything of that nature would be passed. And frankly, the size of the package might not matter as much as just the expectation that Congress is more willing to support the economy if we see an uptick in virus cases or trouble with vaccine distribution. So overall, generally pretty positive for risk assets. That's exactly right. And with all that spending, a lot of investors are asking about inflation, which will be a topic that we will cover closely next week. But that's it for today. We'll be back next week with more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on social media. As you can see, we really do consider them. That's right. Just send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our new website at newyorklifeinvestments.com and clicking on the Insights tab. Until then, 
I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about Mainstay Funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.